0: Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's Sermon Podcast. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.shorechurch.com. The following sermon was based on Mark chapter one, verses one to eight, and it was preached on December sixth, twenty twenty, in Brandon, South Dakota. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It it takes some imagination sometimes. It takes imagination to picture yourself in a time in which you have not physically lived. And sure, you can see photographs. You can see portraits. you, You can read books and watch movies that are set in those times. But to some extent, it will always take a certain amount of imagination to picture what it was like to live at that specific period of of time. And you can come up with a lot of different examples for this, I'm sure. But here's a small example from the the very first statement that I I made to you in this sermon. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Uh, When we hear the word highway, we have a picture that instantly comes to our head. Uh, We have The picture of a black topped road that's generally pretty straight with yellow lines in the middle and white lines on the side. We travel on this road to to get from one place to the next in our cars or in our trucks. This is what we picture when we picture a highway. It's generally not bumpy. It's pretty smooth. It's generally cleared off. It's sometimes covered with snow or, or has some tree limbs in it, but it's generally pretty clear. And this is the concept that we have for highway. And so when we hear the word highway, that's the picture that we get in our head. Because this is the concept that our our brains have for the word highway, sometimes it's perhaps difficult to picture a time when highways looked a little different. A time in which we haven't lived where people heard the word highway and their picture was just a little different than ours. And this got me thinking a little bit and it got me curious. Uh, Curious about something that I never thought I'd be curious about. Have you ever had that before? Where where you find yourself down a rabbit trail of research on the internet, whether it's YouTube or some other sites, because you you just got to get to the bottom of something that you never thought that you'd be curious about. Well, (laughs) that was me. I was trying to figure out where the word highway actually came from. And and so allow me to share my findings with you. Let's make an obvious statement first. I don't mean to insult your intelligence. You all know this very well, but at the time of Isaiah and the time of Jesus, they didn't have trucks or cars. People didn't travel around that way. But people's mode of transportation was their feet or animals. They would ride horses or donkeys or be pulled by horses, donkeys, oxen in carts or chariots. That was the mode of transportation. Most of the roads at the time were were local. Uh, people didn't travel from one city to the next very often. They, they generally just traveled around their city. The The roads were made out of dirt and they were trampled down by, by lots of people walking on them and carts and animals walking on them. But there was an issue that always came up with these sorts of roads because they were at the same level as the the ground around it. And so when it rained, the water pooled up on the road and this dirt that, that the roads used to be made out of now turned to mud, which made it difficult to travel. People would slip, animals would slip, chariots would, would have a hard time getting through uh, thick mud like that. And so they needed to come up with a solution and thus the invention of the highway was, was born. It sounds super simple and really basic, but the highway was just an elevated road. It was a road that was built up so that when it rained, the water would run off the sides and it wouldn't pool up on the road itself. It would run down the sides and the road would remain fairly dry. So this was the picture. This was the picture that people had in their mind when they heard the word highway. It's not a ton different than what we picture when we picture highway. It's missing the lines and the blacktop and the trucks and the cars. But we still have elevated roads today called highways. So when Isaiah says in chapter 40, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This is the picture that the people had. They pictured a a highway. This was a good way for Isaiah to describe what he was describing. Yet. Isaiah was not talking about a physical highway. Isaiah was talking about something much deeper, but we'll get to that in a second. There's one more thing we need as background uh, before we get into our gospel lesson for this morning. The other thing that you need as background is the way that kings traveled. Kings traveled from one place to the next in big caravans. Kind of like you see today, when when the president goes from one place to the next, he has multiple black SUVs, he he is a police escort that goes with him. There's a collection of cars that go with him from one place to the next. Well, the same was true for kings back in the day. They would travel in caravans because they needed their protection. They needed their supplies. These journeys were quite a bit longer than, than some of our journeys are today. And, And so they brought a lot of people with them. And they would travel on the highways and they wouldn't be concerned about muddy roads because highways had taken care of that. But they would be concerned with uh, obstacles that were in the road. And they didn't want to have to stop every 25 yards to to remove a boulder or a, a log or or some other impediment in the road out of the way. They wanted smooth traveling. They wanted to make sure that they weren't, Uh, overtaken by robbers and so they needed to make sure that the area was safe. And so they had an appointed position to do these two things, to remove obstacles and to make sure things were safe. That was called a forerunner. It was a person or people that would run ahead of the caravan and they would remove obstacles from the road and make sure the road was, was safe. That was their job. And so because they ran ahead, they were called the forerunner. Well, that is all lead up to our Gospel reading for this morning where we hear about a man named John. John the Baptist. John the Baptizer. John was prophesied about 700 years before his birth. When Isaiah talked about the one who would prepare the way in the desert, a highway for our God, that was John the Baptist. And that was 700 years before John's birth. John would be the one in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord, making straight in the desert, a highway for our God. John's job was to be the forerunner. Except he wasn't supposed to remove obstacles from some sort of road. It wasn't a physical job. His job was to remove obstacles from people's hearts prior to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. These obstacles that existed in people's hearts were in the form of of sin. And at John's time, he had his work cut out for him. If you read any, any writer, secular writers, historians that talk about that time period, it, it was an immoral time period. At no other time in the history of all of the Israelites had there been so many unbelievers. People had given up on God. They'd given up worshiping God. they have given up uh, praising him as their God and living their life for him. And they'd given themselves over to their own desires and their own uh, sinfulness. People didn't know about Jesus, the promise of the Savior. They, they didn't hold on to that as they did uh, in previous times. So John's job was to come and remove these obstacles from people's hearts. To remove what was standing in the way between them and God. To prepare them for Jesus' coming. This is perhaps a great place for us to pause. Because God's word is devotional and it's personal. And so what are the obstacles that exist in, in your heart? What are the things in your life that stand between you and God? Now some of you, when I say that, you instantly know. You're very aware of the obstacles that exist in your own heart. You've been trying to work through them and they they trouble you. For others of you, you'd have to think about it a bit. Not necessarily because you believe you have no obstacles in your heart, but maybe because you haven't stopped to think about it much before. Sometimes your sinful heart and the obstacles that are in your heart can sometimes be like this. You see this picture of a boy with A milk mustache. (laughs) It's a cute picture and we laugh sometimes when that happens but at times it's embarrassing if it's a milk mustache or if it's spinach in your teeth or something else on your face. It can be embarrassing to have that on your face while you're talking to somebody. And if they don't tell you that it's there, you won't know. And so in some respect it's not really your fault. It was an accident that it got there in the first place, but you couldn't see it. You you couldn't see what was in your teeth or on your face. You needed someone else to tell you. Our sinful nature is sometimes like that. We have been so corrupted by sin because we have inherited sin from our parents and, and they have inherited sin from their parents and from their parents and all the way back to the time of Adam and Eve. Our sinful nature has so corrupted us to the point where we can even fail to see the obstacles that exist in my own heart. We fail to see them unless, unless somebody points them out to us. We fail to see them until we are rebuked with the law. And so, here's the thing that we need. We need forerunners as well. We need people like John in our own lives who will run ahead and remove the obstacles on the highway to God. You have a pastor for this. That's me. (laughs) And it's my job to speak to you God's word. It's my job to guide you spiritually. Which means my words are not always going to be words that you want to hear. Sometimes you may not like the words that I'm speaking to you, but my job as the forerunner is to help you remove obstacles in your own heart so you will be prepared for the coming of Jesus you can go out there and you can find just about anybody who will tell you what you want to hear. And if you don't find it in one place, you can certainly find it in another place. But what you really need in your life is people that you can surround yourself with that will tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. To help you remove obstacles in your own heart so you'll be prepared for Jesus coming, which means that I am going to be that guy that will tell you what you need to hear, which isn't always what you want to hear. And I need people like that in my life too. And I have people like that in my life. Pastors need to be pastored and shepherded. And I have people in my life that will do that for me. And you have other forerunners in your life that, that aren't pastors. Christian friends, mentors, parents, spouses. These are people in your life that are going to hold you accountable to God and his word. They're going to tell you what you need to hear rather than what you want to hear. John the Baptist was that guy. The message he preached was not necessarily welcomed by all. In fact, the Jewish leaders didn't like John's message. Because John accused them of sinning. John accused them of being spiritually deficient. At one point, he he called them A brood of vipers. (laughs) Pretty harsh words, but they were words that the, the Jewish leaders and the Pharisees needed to hear. Because they were spiritually dead. Jesus would later talk about the Pharisees like this and he would call them whitewashed tombs. Meaning that they were good looking on the outside. They did good works, but they were spiritually deficient. They were spiritually dead. They were devoid of salvation. And John came... To do more than just reform behavior. But to prepare hearts for Jesus' coming. If he had come merely to reform behavior, he would have held the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders up as model citizens and encouraged everyone to be just like them. But John came for a higher purpose. He came to prepare hearts. And that's a big point because at times we can get wrapped up with controlling behavior as well. Whether it's controlling my own behavior or controlling the behavior of the people around me in my life. And if we get wrapped up in that, we miss the thing that is deeper. Because it's like this, it's one thing for a child to behave. We like children that are behaved, right? But it's another thing, and it's a different thing, uh, if a child wants to behave. You see the difference there? Because there is one. And the same is true spiritually. God desires the latter for us. He wants children that want to behave. There, there are plenty of moral unbelievers out there. People who behave because it's just what they're supposed to do. People that behave because they want to be good people. But these moral unbelievers are devoid of salvation. They are whitewashed tombs. Jesus deeply wants and desires heart change. He wants... A heart change because that's the most important. And behavior flows from the heart. When the heart is changed, behavior flows from that. But the heart needs to be changed first. And that's what John came to do. He came to change hearts, to prepare hearts for Jesus coming. And so he started exactly where he needed to start. He started with repentance. He called people to repent of their sins, which means to, number one, acknowledge their sin. And number two, feel sorry for that sin. And that's what we need too. We need to acknowledge that we are sinners. We need to cast out those self-righteous thoughts that tell me that I am mostly a good person. We need to cast out those self-righteous thoughts that compare myself to others and say, well, at least I'm better than that person. Or, I've done more good than bad. And we need to acknowledge that our hearts have been ravaged by all sorts of obstacles. Like selfishness, pride, discontent, greed, lust, deceit, or anger, many more obstacles that exist in my heart. These all stand as obstacles on my highway to God, and they need to be removed. John was a great forerunner. He was a great forerunner because he didn't stop with the first two parts of repentance. He he didn't stop with acknowledge your sin and feel sorry for their sin. It was important for him to prepare hearts by leading people to acknowledge their sins, sure enough. But his work as the forerunner would not be complete until he pointed the people to the solution for sin. Until he pointed them to Jesus. Remember I told you that the forerunner uh, before would, would go ahead of the king's caravan and he would clear the highway of all the obstacles. Well, he also would have another job. After he would finish clearing all the obstacles off of the road, he would go into the city that the king was going to, at one time, enter. And he would announce the coming of the king. He would let everybody know that the king was coming to town, so the people of the city would be alerted and they would be ready for the king's coming. John needed to lead people to see the need for their savior. And then, He needed to show them their Savior who would wash all their sins away. And so the third and most important part of repentance John preached. The the first, remember, was acknowledge your sin. Number two was sorrow over your sin. And number three, turn to Jesus for forgiveness. Because what John didn't want was people to acknowledge their sins and then throw a pity party or punish themselves. John didn't want people to acknowledge their sins and then try to make up Make up for them in some way. He wanted them to acknowledge their sins and turn to Jesus. And that is why John pointed them to Jesus when he said this After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John invited them to look to Jesus for forgiveness. To believe and have comfort that their sins were washed away. John took no credit for himself, but consistently pointed people to Jesus. That's our work here. That's our work here at Sure Foundation. To prepare hearts for Jesus' second coming and to point people to Jesus. That is why, when you come here, you will constantly hear and consistently hear two things each week. You will hear that you are a sinner. In more ways than one. And you will hear that you have a Savior from sin who died for you. This is the message that we so desperately need to hear. And we need to hear it often. Because that is the message that removes obstacles and prepares hearts. So as your pastor, I promise you that I will do that for you each week. I will do my best to lead you to hear what you need to hear. Not necessarily what you want to hear. And I will consistently and confidently point you to Jesus as your Savior from sin. I invite you to join me in this ministry of preparing hearts for Jesus' coming. That as you continue to prepare your own hearts, that you would also turn to the people in your lives around you, whether that's your spouse or your children, your extended family, your friends or your neighbors. Help them to see their deep need for a Savior and then consistently and confidently point them to Jesus who saved them from their sins. We have a lot to be thankful for John the Baptist about. He came and prepared the way for the Savior. And words that he spoke 2,000 years ago are still blessing us today as we prepare our hearts for Jesus' second coming. And with prepared hearts, we can say with confidence, as John closes the book of Revelation, as we talked about Last week, we can say as Jesus comes and as we look for Jesus coming, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.